Welcome everyone to the Follow the Yogi podcast. I'm Vicki Santana, your host. Join me every week while I'll share with you mind-blowing secrets of the practice of yoga, the philosophy of it, the physical practice of it, and I tie it all together so we can apply these secrets to our lives. Stay tuned. You might just find a little gem that will change your life. And now, on to our next dose of Follow the Yogi. Welcome. Before we jump into our podcast, I just wanted to say my heart goes out to the souls that have been lost during the coronavirus outbreak, to the families that lost a loved one, a friend, a sibling, a child, a spouse. Big hug. Loss is never easy. Sudden loss can be even that much more challenging, especially during these uncertain times. To the healthcare professionals that put themselves in harm's way every single day and they're working around the clock, thank you. I appreciate your work. Please stay safe. Godspeed. And to all sentient beings, may we use this time as a wake-up call, not for what's happening outside of ourselves, but for what's happening inside of ourselves. It's the only thing that we can control. And moving on to our podcast. I'd first heard about the coronavirus from my daughter. She came home from school one day and said, Hey, Mom, have you heard about the coronavirus? And I rolled my eyes thinking, Oh, she's not going to get me. I replied, Is this a joke about beer? (laughs) So she rolled her eyes and she's like, I don't even know what that means, Mom. No, I'm talking about a virus, a flu that's going around, coming from Europe, and it's on its way here, and people think that it's going to be an epidemic, and I'm scared, and she went on and on and on and on. So I let her go on and on, and then after she was done, my response was, as it usually is for most things, I understand what you're saying, let's research it a little bit more, the actual science of it. But for right now, I want us to come from a place of less anxiety. It's not here yet. We don't have all of the information. It's really easy to get hyped up on everything that we're hearing and reading, especially with rumors. So I just want us to dial it down a little bit and get our footing and pay attention to what's going on around us so that we can be informed and prepared without freaking out. Fast forward four weeks later and here we are in a global crisis. Things that we thought we could count on aren't there anymore. Things that we thought we could do that we did do without giving it a second thought are no longer available to us. Our mindset of the certainty of where we were in this moment and how things, even if they were going to change, were going to do so slowly, changed drastically, feels like overnight. As a student and a teacher of yoga, what goes on around me, I use for my lessons, I use for myself as a student to learn and apply the philosophies of the practice of yoga. And one of the things that I'm noticing, it's, it's almost suffocating 
is the difficulty that many people are having with regard to being in solitude for a prolonged period of time. It really hasn't been that long. I live in South Florida that we've been kind of on lockdown, self-quarantine, everything uh, closed down or having uh, forced curfews. It really hasn't been that long. But I'm watching, as time goes on, I'm watching individuals that are very accustomed to having human contact, to having very busy, hectic lives where they go from one task to another task to another task, um, finding it incredibly difficult, challenging, almost heartbreaking uh, to have to slow everything down and change their perception, change what they're doing, and face the uncertainty that's around us. Now, as a yogi, a practicing yogi for a very long time, these practices that prepare us for times like these, we work on, on the daily, over a prolonged, long period of time. And even that is difficult when it's self-imposed, spaced out over a long period of time, and by choice, it's still difficult even when it's something that we want, even when it's something that we chose, and even when we do it in a much slower, controlled pace, it is challenging. So I can only imagine how difficult this is for those individuals, for many of us that were not prepared for this type of, you know, basically stop of our lives of our normal routine, of uh, being with people, of not even being able to have social contact, you know, face-to-face with individuals, with people. Um, This is something that I've been working on for three and a half decades, and that's been challenging for me. So my heart really does go out to individuals that are suffering with this. It's very real. It shouldn't be downplayed, but it also shouldn't be ignored. Now, if you know me, you know that I take just about everything that happens in my life and I turn it around as a lesson. I am nowhere near positive poly. That's not me. I use logic. I'm very pragmatic. Um, but I try as best I can to see things as they are, accept circumstances as they are, because until we're able to actually do that, accept everything that's going on and accept how it's impacting us until we can actually accept it, even if we don't like it, we don't have to agree to it, we don't have to acquiesce to it, but to actually see it and accept it, that's the first level, the first rung of making peace with it. And when we can make peace with it, it's no longer a battle. Okay. Again, it doesn't mean we have to like it. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is resisting the urge of resisting it and accepting it is the first thing. So I want us to think about what's actually happening here in regards to how we run our lives as a culture, as a nation, 
we run 24-7, 365. We're a nation of chest breathers. In other words, we use the upper lobes of our lungs to survive, to breathe. And that sets off a chemical reaction in the brain, in the nervous system that keeps us in this low hum of fight or flight, of being on alert. Now, it's happening in the background and it's probably happened for so long in our lives that we're not even aware of it. We might think that we're chill and relaxed, but that low hum of alertness, of anxiety, of what do I need to do next, or what can I grab for you next, or, you know, when you find yourself in stillness, can't wait to get out of it because you're quote unquote bored and you don't feel like you're being productive if you're not moving, talking, shaking, making results. Well, you get the idea. Just in me saying all of this, did you notice how my um, speech sped up? Putting myself in that situation, in those words that I was saying, I actually found myself breathing more shallow, speaking a lot quicker. Um, I was really focused on what I was going to say because um, I was getting pumped full of adrenaline. Now, if we're in immediate danger, all of that is wonderful. We're built that way and we're built that way for survival. But if we're kind of using it on on the daily to get us through our days, because we're not even conscious of it, what's going to happen is, is when we are uh, in front of a situation where we have to be still, we're going to start going through withdrawal. And I feel that that's exactly what many of us are going through. We have adrenaline. We have a lot of different things that are pumping through us when we are on the move, when we're movers and shakers. But then when we're in stillness, that super, super artificial high feeling of adrenaline that masks itself as quote unquote happiness, when we are forced to be still, we start the process of withdrawal. Now, if you've ever had to withdraw yourself from anything, let's say a chemical dependency, you know that the first few moments of it aren't that challenging. But then the old habit kicks in. And when that old habit isn't satisfied, then the battle in the mind starts. And the less it's addressed, the less that desire is satisfied, the more the volume goes up on what we want to have. What this unprecedented time is doing for many of us is it's forcing us to slow down. And when we don't have all of these thoughts, all of these distractions, all of these quote unquote important things to do, now we're faced with all of those thoughts that we've always had inside of us that weren't given any conscious attention to because we were so busy running from one place to another. Put on top of that, that we find ourselves reminding ourselves and going back to what we want, to what we miss, and that re-triggers, turns up the volume even more of what we're not having and of this withdrawal. So I want you to just think of it simply as withdrawal from what we're accustomed to, from the chemical reaction that we have 
when we live our daily lives that's super duper busy. So now these circumstances has created a vortex. Things that we used to do, we're not doing anymore. And nature hates a vortex. That vortex will be filled with something, whether it's consciously or unconsciously. So let's go back to the example of being addicted to adrenaline. Let's say we have a lot of time on our hands and we're craving social interaction. What do you think is the first thing that we're going to go to, you know, as long as you have a phone or a computer, you're hooked up to the internet. What do you think is the first thing that we're going to go to, uh, for that social contact? You got it. Social media. And although I believe that social media has its place, I also believe that if we're filling those vortexes with social media, with fake news, with rumors, we're painting ourselves into a corner and again, we're turning up the volume and triggering ourselves to be more tense, more anxious, uh, more stressed about everything that's going on. What we may not realize, and I'm going to take Instagram as an example, when we don't, what we might not realize is as we're scrolling through our feed, yeah, we consciously choose on what to stop on, but we're also getting a lot of information subliminally just by seeing things going in front of our eyes. Maybe we pause, we look at something, someone's freaking out or someone's giving fake rumors. We see it, we process it, we move on. We overwrite it and don't let it affect us in that moment, but we are filling up. We are drawing pictures in our mind and they are becoming part of what our mind perceives as our life. So let's say you're not into social media. You're really into the news and you like being informed. Okay. Everything that we take in, every news story, every sensationalized story, everything that the news media is presenting to us, we are literally absorbing it. And if the tales are about crisis, loss, sadness, the list is endless. If that's what we're watching, that's what we're taking in. We may not think that that's what we're taking in, but we are. I can't tell you how many friends of mine now are saying, I'm not going to watch the news anymore. I need a day or two off of social media because they're beginning to feel the impact of these things. There's a hole if we're just without being mindful, reaching for different things to fill that hole, we might be reaching for things that are not helping us get through these times. In fact, we might be reaching for things that actually aggravate the situation. Every interaction, every interface that we have, it doesn't matter the medium, we are deciding unconsciously what vibration we want to be in. So now let's go to the folks that we hang out with and the people that we talk to. Pay attention to the types of conversations that we're having. Because let's say we're not affected right now, hopefully never, uh, with the coronavirus. But have you heard the stories of someone breathlessly uh, saying, you know, I was just at Costco 
You, the whole parking lot was full. I couldn't find a parking space. People were driving crazy. There weren't any carts. They're just letting 10 or a hundred people in at a time. It's crazy. It's mayhem. It's like there's hurricane season. There's no toilet paper. Um, there's no water. People are preparing for the apocalypse, you know, and, and then people finish it up with, I'm not freaked out, but everyone else is. Just by repeating that observation, we actually are freaking out. We may be doing it in a controlled fashion. We may be fooling ourselves and saying that we're doing our civic duty or we're doing a public service announcement. But the reality is, is we took it in. Now we're recalling it and we're sharing it with someone else with the added benefit of continuing the chain of anxiety to keep going forward. And that vortex can be filled with anything. It could be filled with food. It could be filled with inactivity. It could be filled with, um, you know, binging on Netflix and all that stuff. Listen, I'm the first one that does all of these things. But I do them in a controlled fashion and I'm very aware when I'm doing them. And I always ask myself why I'm doing it. And am I satisfied that what I'm doing right now is serving me for my higher good. Sometimes the answer is no, it's not. And I'm going to keep going forth. Um, but that's a conscious decision that I'm making, one that I own all by myself. So we find ourselves thinking about how things were, thinking about what we want that we used to have, that we used to do. And we keep returning back to those thoughts of desire that are not being fulfilled. And we keep reliving the rub. I'm going to actually challenge you and ask you, can you sit and give this moment the attention and the respect that it needs to be able to see it for what it is, however it's affecting your life, because that's the only thing we can control. Give it the attention, give it the respect, give it the time that it needs for us to actually look at it and consciously take this in by ourselves without the influence of the news, without the influence of our friends or social media, just by ourselves standing in our life and saying and accepting how this is influencing or how this is affecting us. You see, the first, the very first thing that we have to do to get through this is to accept everything that has been the byproduct of this situation. I am not saying you're going to agree with it. I am not saying you're going to like it. In fact, you're probably going to be pretty pissed off at some point because your life has been uprooted to some degree. And if not yours, then someone you know. So as we go through this exercise of accepting the situation and accepting the byproducts of this situation, I'm not proposing that we will things to stay this way. I'm proposing that we stand still for a moment and acknowledge what's going on and then see what that feels like inside of us. It's quite possible that we've been so busy for so long that we use distraction to unconsciously not feel the things that we've been needing to feel over time. 
I suspect that as we start feeling this discomfort because it's unfamiliar to actually be still and alone with ourselves for a prolonged period of time, all of the different blankies, binkies, uh, things that we use to soothe ourselves, actions that we used to not feel what we were feeling about things. Now that these things are gone, and quite abruptly, I might add, the volume, the height of discomfort is high. It might also be frightening to be able to feel, sense, see, relate to the uncertainty that uh, that's in front of us right now. You see, the illusion was that there was no uncertainty. The reality is that there always was uncertainty. This one, though, is smacking us in the face, though. We can't go around it. We can't go over it. We can't go under it. We can't put a pin in it. We are literally being forced to learn these lessons. And the more we resist it, the more we fight them, uh, the more we go external to try to calm ourselves, the more likely that volume is going to continue to go up and up and up. And I, you know, have friends that are saying, I don't understand what's going on with me. This is not who I am. This is, I'm usually X. And they're really struggling with what's bubbling up from the inside. And that's the key word right there. Now that we're still now that we don't have nearly as many distractions, now that we can't reach out and touch someone, a lot of the things that we used to soothe ourselves aren't there. And that soothing, I want you to think of it actually is as an override, a distraction, putting a pin in what was actually going on on the inside. Now, everyone has different things that they go to, some are more socially accepted than others, but the action and the desired result is the same, to numb ourselves. Now that we don't have all of those tools in our bag of tricks anymore, now we're having to actually look at what's going on inside. If we're paying attention, we're learning so much about ourselves that we can put a kibosh on, on the things that we see that just weren't working ever. And we can put wings on things that were kind of pushed to the background, but were a wonderful asset and quality of ourselves. You know, some of the questions that we can ask ourselves is, am I a patient parent? Am I providing support and a nice quiet environment for my kids to play around in? Am I so stressed that maybe I'm giving that stress onto the kids unconsciously, unknowingly, because if I'm tight, my responses are going to be tight when I address them. And kids are amazing. They don't understand that rent is due. They don't understand retirement funds. They don't have all of this pressure on top of them. So when we talk to them, or better said, at them, through these filters of tension, of fear, it's going to come across 
as that's how we feel towards them because they don't understand. They don't understand everything that we have on our shoulders. They're not supposed to understand everything we have on our shoulders. And what kids tend to do is if there's a gap between what they see and what they feel, they're going to feel fill that gap with them being at fault. Let's let that sit in for just a second. So as adults, we need to not get a handle on ourselves. That's not where I'm coming from at all. I'm not from the neighborhood of never let them see you sweat. Instead, I'm from the neighborhood of never sweat in the first place. So you're saying, Vicki, this is all well and good. Uh, you know, you're not helping me by telling me all these things, or you are helping me by telling me these things, but now I don't know how to stop it. Now that I'm aware, what am I supposed to do with all of this? Someone gave me this advice a long time ago when I was going through a difficult time and I didn't know what the future was going to hold. I was worried about so many different things and I kept wanting the past to come back or just fast forward into the future not knowing what the future was going to hold. And that person said, Vicky, I want you to think of this moment as if it, this is the way it's going to be the rest of your life. I want you to think, okay, this is the way it is, and this is the way it's going to be. What am I going to do with this one life, with these circumstances, to make it the best life I possibly could have. At first I disregarded it. Didn't really make much sense to me. But as I sat in meditation over a few days, it did begin to sink in. Wanting the past to come back, trying to figure out what the future was going to be, was the perfect recipe to torture myself mentally. Because I wasn't happy about the past going away. And I'm not happy that the future isn't here. So the moment that I'm standing in is literally going to waste. The first thing that we need to do is accept the situation as it is. Then put yourself in this situation and say, okay, if this is the way it's going to be, what am I going to do to make this the best it could possibly be? What do I need to change about myself? That's going to facilitate thriving and abundance instead of uh, thinking from a place of less than and fearfulness. In what areas of my life can I reinvent myself or refine myself to make things, help things go much smoother? So instead of being the storm, you want to be the center of the storm. And this is absolutely key. I don't want you to think about how you can make it better, easier for other people. Not if you're in pain, not if you're struggling with this circumstance or these situations. If you are not taking care of yourself, if you're struggling with this and you're reaching out to help others, you're avoiding the very thing you need to do to make yourself the center of the storm, to make yourself calm. Now, for some people, that might sound as if it might sound as something as selfish. I'm not saying don't help others when they're in need, if we are capable and available to do so. 
What I'm saying is don't go off and help other people in lieu of helping yourself because you don't want to deal with what's going on inside of yourself. Huge difference. For some of us, our drug of choice, our vice of choice is to go off and help others and not pay attention, not take care of, not process the things that are going on inside of us. And it seems very altruistic, right? Sacrificing ourselves for others. I want us to remember that there's a difference between helping others and sacrificing ourselves to satisfy a need to help others, to cultivate that feeling of love, but instead of doing it for ourselves, within ourselves, we give it to others because it's so difficult to give it to ourselves. I'm not saying don't help others. I'm saying don't not help yourself. All right, so let's wrap this up. The first thing that we want to do is accept things as they are and accept things based on how we feel about it, not the influence from our friends, from social media, from news. Accept it and notice how it's changing our life and how those changes are making us feel. Because number two is address those feelings. Because I promise you, this situation is not the first time that you have felt these emotions. This situation is just highlighting them, putting a beam on them, bolding them, italicizing them, putting them in a huge font. But these emotions have been there for a while. It's just they can't be ignored now. Between the stillness, between the quarantine, between the, our distractions, the restaurants, the this, that, and the other are closed. Now, now they're screaming to be heard and we don't have our regular go-tos to drown them out. So get in touch with how you're feeling. The story is going to keep spinning in our head, but the story is only going to spin in our head as long as we're not dealing, feeling, processing, and releasing the emotions that are behind all of this. Personally, I'm a big time journaler. (laughs) Um, but it doesn't have to be in the traditional way. You could be speaking into a mic and recording your thoughts. I know for some people that's a lot easier instead of sitting there and focusing on every single word. For some people, they feel comfortable putting pen to paper and having a stream of consciousness. Hey, if you're feeling angry, take one of those Nerf bats and hit a pillow. Use primal screaming to get the emotions out. They have to come out and we have to find a healthy way to get them out because holding them in, I promise you, all we're creating is a pressure cooker. It doesn't matter how stoic we are, how in control we look. We know that right behind the scenes, it's either welling up into our throat or it's creating this pressure in our chest or discomfort in our stomach. I promise you, the only people that we're fooling that matter is ourselves. Energy is energy. And if we don't let it go in a controlled fashion, in a conscious fashion, it's going to manifest itself in other things. We might first see it in how we deal with uh, in our relationships. They might be, they might start getting very strained because we're tense and we're not processing what we need to process. 
So the way we communicate is going to start to suffer. And then the more we take this in, the more it's going to start affecting our health, our mental health, our physical health, and our emotional health. I want us to pay attention to this because all of these things are so important. When we find ourselves on the other side of the coronavirus outbreak, what is it going to look like for us? What did we do with this time that will prepare us for the rest of our life? If you haven't started, I don't even like to call it a meditation practice. If you're interested in starting a concentration and desensitization process, stay tuned. Everything that I do is going online. Connect with me on Facebook at V-I-K-K-Y Santana, on Instagram at Vicky Santana Yoga, and on my website, VickySantana.com. Remember, the more we resist this, the more we want what we had and not get it, the more we're going to stay in struggle, strife, and suffering. Thanks for listening, yogis. Thank you for your attention. Please stay safe. Stay sound with all my love, with everything that I am. I humbly bow in your divine light. Namaste.